Welcome to Embrace the Unexpected with your host, Bernadette Butler. In this program, you'll learn how Bernadette and her guests were able to turn what seemed to be a negative into a positive lesson that they can teach others and give hope. Now, here is Bernadette Butler. Good evening. Welcome to Embrace the Unexpected. I'm your host, Bernadette Butler. Tonight, we're going to discuss the emotional aspects of when your child is diagnosed with autism. You cry, you mourn, you mourn about the things that you thought was going to be, and then they're not. Groan, then you fall to your knees in sorrow. And you ask this question, what is going to happen to my child? Tonight's guest is Maddie Daniels McNeil. And she will share with you how she was able to turn her sorrow into uh, helping her son. Hello, Maddie. Thank you for uh, being a part of tonight's discussion. Good evening, Bernadette. Thank you for having me. Uh, Maddie, would you share with our audience a little bit about yourself, your profession, and describe to us the history or medical term of autism? Well, I'm a registered nurse, and I have been for about a little over 30 years. Uh, I started my nursing career in Detroit, Michigan, and I worked in medical surgical for a long time. I've worked on a cardiac unit, orthopedic units. I've worked in endoscopy. That's where you do the colonoscopies and all those things. Then I transitioned into ambulatory medicine, like outpatients, Uh, nursing homes uh, where I fell in love with uh, working with geriatric with our senior patients but basically through my profession uh, I just love a life of service and helping people and that just translated into uh, home care in in 2003 I began to work in home care and that's how I began working and becoming an advocate for helping to facilitate for special needs people and and their parents. And so that was uh, how I came into, you know, the profession, you know, being a first responder and just knowing that all life is fragile and that it has great value and that God loves us all. Could you share with us the medical terms of and things that we may not know as laypersons about autism? Yeah, well, autism um, is defined, it's unusual because it's not defined like most diagnoses. It's defined by symptoms. And I would say um, the best definition, it is considered a developmental disorder of the brain. And it's characterized by difficulty in social interactions and communications and by restrictive or, I would say, repetitive patterns of thought or behavior. And both children and adults with autism typically show um, difficulties in verbal and communication and social interactions and deficits sometimes in leisure or play activities. So it's defined by that group of um, symptoms as opposed to an actual uh, diagnosis like most diseases. So they consider it uh, on that scale. And you have um, everyone on the um, socioeconomic levels are affected by it. 
You know, there's no particular ethnic group, but anyone can be affected by it. And it's about five times more common in boys than it is in girls. Uh, You find um, that the rate of autism has uh, really um, bloomed. I think in 2000, uh, it's now like one in every 68 or 48 uh, boys and about one in every 252 girls. So that's the the definition. According to the CDC, the... um, Center for Disease Control and Prevention. They keep the statistics, so um, this would be how they define, you know, autism and the rate and what it's doing today. Is was autism just now recently, or do you think was there any autism in past history? Oh uh, yes, the history of autism. Autism is not new. But in the way they defined it in 1908, between 1908 and 1911, believe it or not, there was a Swiss psychiatrist whose name was Butler, and he was the first one that kind of described autism with people that were self-absorbed and they were withdrawn, and he thought they had schizophrenia, what we call today schizophrenia. And as time went on, and uh, you had people in 1944, there was a German pediatrician, his name was Hans uh, Asperger, and he began to see a group of children that were um, less autistic symptoms uh, because they were very highly intelligent and they could really, you know, have speech, but they had a lot of uh, motor skills and they had deficits that were really impaired. So as these, uh, as this history went on, uh, they began to think, you know, why did these children have it? I think it was in 1967 they kind of coined the phrase refrigerator moms because they used to think autism came from moms who were cold toward their children. They didn't make the connection of it being, you know, genetic or biologically, but, uh, you know, that was a falsehood, but they thought the children were uh, having these deficits because the moms weren't loving or kind enough. So studies went on, you know, in, in 1977, and they kind of connected it to genetics and biology, and then around the time of the 80s and stuff, when uh, they they kind of defined it as a mental disorder, and that's when they started to put the uh, diagnostic and statistical manuals together, and and they started um, finding the terms like uh, infantile autism. They found that we had it as children, and I think that movie um, was it Rain Man in 1988 yes. with Dustin Hoffman, and some people yes. remember that. That was really the uh, kind of like the movie that kind of put autism on the map where he was like a, what they would call a savant then, and he could do numbers in his head and music in his head. And this is what a lot of people think of when they see autism like a savant-type child, but that's not the typical one. And then uh, it just grew in the public schools and uh, got involved, and the government got involved in services, helping children in 19, about the 1990s and stuff, and and that's when they had the they thought the vaccines, the MMR, which was measles, mumps, and rubella vaccines that had that thermosol or mercury, and people thought that that was the cause of autism, but that was kind of debunked because it had this thermosol, so they took the thermosol out of vaccines. My son grew up in that era, and we dealt with that. 
uh, but they found that that wasn't the case. So, and fast forward that we fast forward into what they call the autism spectrum. So today, you know, that's kind of like the history of autism, and it's been around for, you know, quite a while. And there are principally three types of autism. Is what they call classic autism which is what most people think of when they think of people with autism, uh, with significant language uh, delay or social communication challenges. Um, they kind of have unusual behavior or interest, um, some intellectual disabilities, so that's your classic autism. And then we have, as we said a minute ago, Asperger's syndrome, and which is a milder form of autism symptoms because these people that they find are very highly functioning. They function very highly typically, and they are able, they don't have the language deficit and things, but they can have some odd behavior or some unusual interest, and they have some social challenges, but not so much in the speech deficit. And then the last category is what they call pervasive development disorder. And these are like the atypical autism people that they have. Some of the Asperger's syndrome, but not all. Their symptoms are very mild and autistic disorder. And um, they have some of the social and communication challenges. But those were, the, you know, the three main types of autism, kind of like the background and the types of autism that uh, people think of. And so a lot of people may not be aware and today it's called the autism spectrum because each child and each person is very different. Uh, yes, uh, I had shared with you when we talked prior to the show how my son was born in 1975. So he got caught up in all those different types of labeling him just to get services because there really wasn't any services by 1978 when he was diagnosed with autism. So I remember how they had to explain to me why they can't call it that because he can't receive services for that. And they uh, had put down mentally retardation. And so... so, um, he had that label, and then as the years went on, uh, progressive delay uh, 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 disorder, and and so Melvin was really like on the on the edge of account. He was mild, but the challenge was the the schooling because of no programs specifically to deal with children who had autism. Thank you uh, for sharing, because I needed to hear that too. That explained why there wasn't really much. It's like a progression with autism. The more they do the research, the more they understand it. Uh, What was your reaction when you first heard the diagnosis and how did you respond emotionally? Mm. Oh boy, that's another question. Well, I could start with when I got my diagnosis, I was married, and I had two girls, and 
you know, I always wanted a boy and stuff, and so I was elated when I found out I was, you know, pregnant and was going to have a boy. Uh, I was going to have one since I had one, one husband and I for a long time. And I was in my 30s by this time, and during that time, you know, because you're in your 30s, they did, like, genetic testing, and I had to have amniocentesis and all those tests that they find out to make sure that, you know, there's no abnormality, and everything was going along, you know, fine. And so, um, I, so I thought, but as my, when my son was born... You know, he did everything that he was supposed to do. You know, he was born, and he passed all his milestones, like you know, rolling over as a child, and he crawled, and he sat up, and uh, he was a little bit slow walking, but I was like, oh, well, okay, you know, it's my first boy. Boys are, they always tell me I'm a little slower than girls, so, you know, but that was okay. But he came along, as you know, and then I became concerned when I started noting a deficit in his speech. And um, I know that by the time the kid children are two, they have at least about 50 words, you know. And so he, he, he was only saying maybe about 10 or 15 words or so. And I said, okay. But then I noticed he would start, you know, watching TV and he would repeat commercials and he would say words and stuff. So I'm thinking, oh, he's coming along, you know. But what I missed during that time, you know, because mostly I worked in adult medicine. I didn't work in pediatrics. And even mm-hmm. people think because you're a nurse that you're going to see everything. Thing, or even his mom's, we don't see everything. But he was doing most of the things. And so what I did was that um, I noticed that his eyes, that when he looked, he couldn't focus. He would look away. Mm-hmm. And so he would look at me. He would quickly look away. And so that would kind of concern me. And so I took him to the pediatrician for that to see what was going on. And um, that was the beginning of my first, you know, concern. So the pediatrician had us go see the pediatric neurologist. And between his eyes and his speech deficit, I remember going to um, to a lecture with a doctor. His name was Dr. Max Witznesser, and he's one of the leading neurologists here in autism in the Cleveland, Ohio area where we live. And he told me, I spoke with him at, about my son's um symptoms and he said it sounds like your son is autistic and I'm thinking huh he says you go back and check they don't just don't want to tell you he said to go back it sounds like he's autistic at that moment it was like okay my joy turned to concern but not so much because it wasn't definitive but I'm thinking this guy knows so when I went back to the pediatrician we talked about it he sent me to the pediatric neurologist and I'll never forget, that was my son with Dennis. His name is Dennis. He was born in 88, and this was December the 8th of 2090 when we got the diagnosis, you know, of autism. And I remember that we walked out of there in silence, both of us. We didn't say mm. anything. Mm. And the overwhelming feeling, as you say, it's like the... You know, yeah, we comprehended it, and it's like the death of a dream, you know, overwhelms, like what's going to happen. You're not prepared for this diagnosis, and you think about it's like the death of a dream that you had for the child and what you thought, you know, life was going to be like. So it is a, a roller coaster of emotions and stuff. There's a, 
disappointment, you know, a little bit of anger, sadness, and why me, and all of these things that come into play, you know, um, when you, um, you know, have your heart set on and your dreams and, and just getting that diagnosis. So, yeah, it is quite a... Uh, a roller coaster of up and down emotions from high for you know I went from being elated to very saddened and disappointed and before I came to um, you know acceptance. Mm-hmm. Well, I I can share and agree with you in all those emotions because I had every last one of them, including falling on the floor, Maddie. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I was, yes. I, I yeah, was you devastated. Yeah, crying out and stuff. Mm-hmm. So, uh, it is it is something that you don't expect. I mean, you see other people and you know, but when it's like, you know, everything else. Uh, but um, you just don't know how. Because back then, 30 years ago, it wasn't like it is today. As you say, yeah. they didn't have a whole lot. They were still kind of like speculating and going through things and, you know, trying to figure this autistic thing out, which I say they're still doing today. But, uh, yes, the the roller coaster of emotions uh, went from very highs and expectations to very lows, but also taking me to, you know, another journey and stuff well, that took me, Maddie, that emotional journey. Led Maddie, to hold, that, hold that thought. Maddie, hold that thought because mm-hmm. we're preparing to do a break. And then when we come back, we're going to continue the conversation about how you responded emotionally. your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com If your organization is looking for a dynamic speaker who presents life issues in a down-to-earth fashion, contact Bernadette Butler, author of Living with Autism. At her website, bebutlertheauthor.com, Bernadette's life experiences and love of God will give a lift and hope to all who hear her. While on her site, you can find out about her books, videos, words of praise, joy and love, and many more resources. Visit Bernadette's site today at bebutlertheauthor.com. In her recent release, Living with Autism, God, Me, and Melvin, from Page Publishing, Author Bernadette Butler creates an autobiographical account of the joys and challenges of raising a child with a developmental disorder, autism, and the profound strength she derived from her faith throughout the journey, from the beginnings to changes in her son's behavior, silence, diagnosis, and the outcome overall. Get your copy of Bernadette's story at Amazon.com or directly from her website at bbutlertheauthor.com. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Success starts here. 
VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. It's your world. You are listening to Embrace the Unexpected with Bernadette Butler. If you'd like to reach the show, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. Or to reach Bernadette Butler directly, send her a message at her website, bbutlertheauthor.com. Now back to Embrace the Unexpected. Now, Maddie, could you, uh, where you held your thought, could you share that with us? Uh, yes. Um, going back to the death of a dream and everything that goes with it, because during that part, my emotions were all over the place, because after my son was diagnosed, doing a series of things, well, during that time, my marriage fell apart. And so, when my, at the time, my marriage fell apart, so now I here I am, not only a single mom uh, with two kids, I'm a single mom, and I live in a state. And I have no family living with me and few, very few friends because I had just moved here uh, not too many, a couple of years ago, stuff. And uh, all of this was coming, um, you know, was really heavy upon me as far as, you know, the journey now. So now what, you single parents, special needs, and so many things run through your mind about all, but at the same time, uh, my mind is kicking into gear, you know, as I go through the emotional part. I, this is where my journey with the Lord, you know, began to draw me back to the Lord. Because I was always grew up in a Christian, you know, family and a home. But during crises, oftentimes, uh, we find our way back to uh, uh, the roots that we have in God. And God just began to, you know, I had to find a way to help myself because you can't help anyone else if you don't help yourself. You you have a child with special needs, but if you don't um, help get spiritual guidance or strength and wisdom uh, to help yourself, you can't help the other. You know, it's kind of like the airplane where they say before you always put your mask on yourself and then put it on a child and the Mm -hmm. oxygen. Well, that's the way it is. And you felt like, you know, you can't breathe and you do this. And so this, this is the journey that the Lord took me on. Uh, back through through my son, and it was kind of interwoven. You know, all this was interwoven together as I became, as my spiritual going, coming back to God. So I came back to um, the church. I was broken, and it kind of felt like that brokenness. The same way I felt uh, that my son, in a sense, was broken in the spirit. It was like I was broken in the spirit, and I needed mending, and I needed healing. And only God could do that. And so uh, I found myself as I'm back in the church. And at that time, I have to say, I had a, um, you know, just I came into the church one day just broken and crying and, you know, in the back of the church. And I remember, uh, even today, you know, I just remember because I have the same pastor that I have now, the same pastor. So you do, you know, you, it's not a life you can live alone. But they prayed with me and I just sat there another one of the ministers and stuff. And I came into church and I sat there and I prayed. And they didn't ask a lot of questions or anything uh, like that, but just prayed with me. They probably could see I was overwhelmed, didn't know what it was about. But it's a personal journey, you know, and that's why I said it's, it's, a, it's a personal journey. It's a private journey and it's a painful journey. 
But what happened through that was that Christ was letting me know that, uh, you know, God had not forsaken me and that he was still with me and stuff. And I remember, if I can, you know, um, there was a particular scripture that just uh, helped me during this time, and it was Isaiah 60, excuse me, Psalm 61. And then it says, Hear my cry, O God, attend to my prayer. From the end of the earth will I cry to thee. When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. And that particular scripture, you know, God had to lead me into a relationship with him that was stronger and uh, higher than I was because I could not do this with this child in my own strength. He let me know that this child was not so broken that, you know, that I'm the one that sent this child here and this is my child and I'm going to help you, you know, with them. And through the course of uh, getting strengthened spiritually and coming back, you know, because it's only uh, a journey with Jesus, I say, that could take us, take me back to uh, being able to, strengthen me and do what I needed to do with this child. So, because it's not something you can do alone, even though you you are alone in a sense, but you're not alone because you do need, you need the doctors, you need the therapists, you need the um, social and, uh, you know, the neurologists and the social community. You need all of these things that you need to help you with this child to uh, do what you need to do. And so, as I got strengthened spiritually, I also, you know, my nursing advocacy kicked in, you know, as well, being a mm-hmm. nurse, having that background. I was fortunate that, you know, I had the background that um, that I wasn't alone, and I began to just uh, go through and look up everything, you know, as the Lord was healing me and letting me know that, you know, I'm not alone, that he never leaves us or forsakes us and that he's, he strengthened me, then I began to, you know, look up everything about autism, you know, all the resources and things that I could, uh, and become an advocate for my child and stuff. I knew he was going to need a, you know, a pediatric neurologist, and I knew he was going to need, you know, school systems. And so I began to check on, you know, the school systems and what was offered and, um just all of the uh, various entities that, you know, that you're going to need for this special child, what's available. And so it's kind of like, as we say, your pity party is over for yourself as God was stretching it, and you start to put that energy, you know, into that child and stuff and to that. And then you got to still deal with your, you know, with the other child, children that you still have. So I was blessed because by him being young, uh, I had a babysitter because you don't know with child care, you know, if my babysitter was going to be able to still keep him with the regular children. But uh, because of the diagnosis, some people get fearful and um, things like that. And so I was able to, you know, keep him with the babysitter. I had a wonderful babysitter. It was no problem. Uh, but just a lot of things that you're going to need, you know, that um, that spiritual journey and the emotional roller coaster kind of, you know, tied in there together. And it was like once I got help, you know, for myself, um, and then I started to do my research and began to advocate for my for my child. Yes. Uh, again, you and I have similar journeys 
because I'm originally from the Chicago, Illinois, and moved to California, and I had no support. No, none of my family was around, even though my family was challenging. And when we received the official diagnosis uh, of autism, at first, my he's not my husband now. We divorced. But at first when we heard it, because he looked just like he was doing, like you said, the crawling, the walking, the, he didn't have much speech, tying his shoes, putting his clothes on, playing. And there was still a hope that, okay, this will go away. Mm-hmm. But as I, like you, researching and the only thing with his dad was his dad started to distance himself away as our son got older because it starts sinking in his head. He has this autism. And so he really didn't bond or do anything with him. So all of his doctor's appointments, um, taking him to school, picking him up, keeping him socialized and not keeping at him at home. I took him to church when at that time, really, you didn't really see parents or anyone bringing uh, disabled children into the church. But I brought my son and I sat there and I said, now, <laughs> let somebody say something to me. But I, I needed him to be around more people and unfortunately um, I didn't have that support from his uh, dad and he also have two uh, siblings but he is the oldest he is not the youngest he have two younger sisters uh, behind that came behind him and I didn't work so I didn't need a babysitter but all that energy and emotional strain and stress, one thing kept coming in my head until the Lord had to deal with me about that was, what's going to happen to my child? You know, you want to look into the future and you don't have that possibility to do that. You, you don't. He don't give you that. So somehow... I had to learn to deal with the now and walk forward in him. And when I look back, Maddie, I think of all the lessons that I learned. Forgiveness, patience, unconditional love. It's, it's amazing. And it teaches you how to share with others and help others. I, it, it's a it's a wonderful and also at almost it's like a sweet, you know, sweet and sour. That's mm-hmm. kind of like what it what it is at times. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I, I can identify with that. As you say, we've talked and I think about your program. Embrace that first word, the unexpected. And when I thought about embrace, when somebody embraces you, it's something that 
ah, there's a tender, there's a tenderness when, you know, a loved one, whether it's your children or your husband or spouse embraces you, it's a tender moment, it's a loving moment, it's a caring moment. It's not something that somebody is forcing you to do, and it's not something, you know, that you can squeeze out of a person, but there's a genuine love, and so that's what... um, special needs children and autistic people bring out in you, as you say, that uh, genuine embracement. You you embrace the whole person, who they are, and you stop trying to change them what you want them to be and embrace the fact that, you know, God knows who they are. He brought them here. Um, they're not uh, mentally ill. They used to think that they were, like, uh, you know, mentally ill. Yes, mm-hmm. they have a different way of expressing themselves, and sometimes the social deficits and the speech deficits don't come out. But uh, within that person, if you love them, um, embrace them and love them for who they are, that love, and that's what God gave me. He taught me a lot of patience. I call my son Dennis my grace gift. He was my third child, but he's taught me a lot of patience. He's taught me a lot of uh, kindness. He he just has a beautiful, you know, smile about him. He's in fact in our church. He's like the greeter. <laughs> he's a social <laughs> butterfly because when he was born, he didn't have any speech, and like you. Uh, I used to bring him to church, and I thought, well, am I the only person with a child with special needs? But I brought him anyway. Sometimes I would sit in the back, or sometimes he would disrupt people. But I always prayed over him, and I always, you know, had I had to learn, and God had to teach me, uh, you know, how to love him, because sometimes, you know, lights would bother him, or sometimes crowds would. But as he got older, you know, now doesn't bother him, but his speech came in, and the importance of being that advocate, you know, he had to get into places like uh, the Achievement Center for Children and speech therapy and all of those things. But when you embrace the person, you know, that he is and that, you know, I think the Bible says, you know, it doesn't appear what we shall be. And so we don't know what these children are going to be uh, because it, you don't know what their potential is until they're exposed to so many things. So the more things they're exposed to, the more things that you give them a chance to do, the more things that, as a result, you find that, you know, you've embraced that whole person. And it's really about, you know, loving them where they are and who they are. And it also causes you to embrace, you know, what God has has done in each of us because we all have an area where we're, you know, have deficits or whether we come from, you know, dysfunctional families Mm -hmm. or we have some type of dysfunction in our life. But these children cause you to just look at life, you know, very differently. Yes. And to just be, help them, you know, to be the best person that they can be, as you say, in the world, to help them navigate. That's the thing. And I think the Lord told me, he said, I allowed this child because I knew I could trust you with them. And I thought about that. I said, wow, that's a lot. You know, when the Lord said, I knew that, you know, that I could trust you with them because uh, they need somebody that, you know, can can trust them to um, to help them navigate you know, through life, to be their advocates and to be a voice for them. And that's really what you... You know, uh, a lot of it, you do wind up being their advocate for them and giving and them to, every possible chance. 
Mm-hmm. And not to give up. And that mm-hmm. was one of right. the, you can't give up. It's like you have to keep going. And again, do the Lord give up on us? No, that's, he doesn't. That's not an option. <laughs> that is certainly not. So, mm-hmm. you know, it, things get weary at times and you you could get tired and you say, oh, I can't do this. But every time I say I can't do it, he tells me I can through him. Can do all things through Christ, yet who strengthens us. Yes. Um, so. Melvin was a runner. I don't know if your son was. He would run at times, run away. And when he was about, I think maybe about six or seven, we took him to Disneyland. And he loved Mickey Mouse and Tigger. And we're trying to get through the gate. Maddie, I tried to explain to the people, don't no, you got to come through the turn one at a time. I said, I have to stay with him. They let him go. And Maddie, he shot out to the crowd of thousands. I was having a heart attack. I went running after him because if he got lost in that crowd, I wouldn't have been able to find him. He saw Mickey Mouse and he took off. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so at times Melvin would do a burst and just he'll he'll go. But when he got older, he started running because of his anxiety. Mm-hmm. And if he had a little anxiety, he would run. Well, we're gonna break. Again, take up another break. I hope you're enjoying the show and we'll come right back. It's your world. Motivate, change, succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. If your organization is looking for a dynamic speaker who presents life issues in a down-to-earth fashion, contact Bernadette Butler, author of Living with Autism. At her website, bebutlertheauthor.com, Bernadette's life experiences and love of God will give a lift and hope to all who hear her. While on her site, you can find out about her books, videos, words of praise, joy and love, and many more resources. Visit Bernadette's site today at bbutlertheauthor.com. In her recent release, Living with Autism, God, Me, and Melvin, from Page Publishing, author Bernadette Butler creates an autobiographical account of the joys and challenges of raising a child with a developmental disorder, autism, and the profound strength she derived from her faith throughout the journey, from the beginnings to changes in her son's behavior, silence, diagnosis, and the outcome overall. Get your copy of Bernadette's story at Amazon.com or directly from her website at bbutlertheauthor.com. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective, plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at blog.voiceamerica.com. That's blog.voiceamerica.com. 
the Voice America Press Blog. All access, all the time. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. You are listening to Embrace the Unexpected with Bernadette Butler. If you'd like to reach the show, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. Or to reach Bernadette Butler directly, send her a message at her website, bbutlertheauthor.com. Now back to Embrace the Unexpected. Well, Maddie, all the things that we were sharing, that's for any and every parent about embracing their children for truly who they are, who they are and trying to navigate them towards the plan that God has. That's what I learned from having my son. A lot of times we have these plans, and you and I know we had to let go of those plans, right? That's right. Very much so. And I think that's one of the biggest lessons, that God will give us a new vision. You know, he says, um, he gave me a new job, is what I like. He gave me, when I went into home care in 2003, I never knew that that was going to lead, you know, to have been a home care in the community uh, here in the Cleveland, Ohio area where I live. I began to see parents that were struggling, you know, with special needs people with financially. They had, you know, financial services, and a lot of them didn't know about services for their child and legal services and safety needs and all of these things, and I would share with them, you know, not only what I was doing as a nurse, but anything I would find out, I would share, you know, share with them. So I want the, especially, you know, a lot of young mothers or any mothers to be encouraged that, you know, all is not lost. And that's why my ministry, Just for Jesus, is like, it's for the lost, the lonely, and the hurting. Because you have all of those things that, you know, you have with these children, but yet he turns our mourning into that there's a joy that comes with it. And the joy of seeing them be the best person that they can be and helping other people. That through my job, he gave me an home care. I found out, you know, the services for Medicaid that they could have and, you know, the legal services, you know, that you may need to put in place and uh, people like support administrators and all of these things and so God has a way you know of giving us you know what we need every day and it's you know it's not a sprint it's a marathon and today my son Dennis he is the joy of my life and you were talking about Melvin running Dennis ice skates he is ice skating he plays ice hockey he's a winner's way he bowls uh, he took music therapy, he golfs, and so he is just, uh, you know, just uh, uh, has grown by leaps and bounds, things we never thought he would do, you know, when they said put him in an institution and he would never talk and he would never do this but God. And so that's been, you know, the service that God has given me, the grace that God has given me, and the encouragement and the inspiration. That's what I want to share with others, other parents and of uh, 
autistic children. They're still trying to figure it out because, you know, the medical community still doesn't have the answer. Autism is a mystery, and that's why they call it a spectrum. But there are no mysteries in Christ. He no. has the answer. He doesn't give it to us all at once, but... The joy, the, the joy of serving others, you know, with autism and helping them see uh, the joy of life is, is the greatest gift and the greatest reward. And for the younger parents that are just starting out, you know, like you said, all is not lost because, see, your son has a life and he's content. My son at 43 years old, soon to be 44 this year, he has a life and he's content. All is not lost. And so you glean from the wonderful uh, lessons that the Lord teach you. And it's about that light, you know, letting that light shine. So whatever he gives you in these lessons, you share them with others to give them hope and to inspire them, which, as I said earlier, it's not just for parents who have children with some type of any type of disability. This, these lessons are for all parents across the board, no matter what. And when you would Melvin do some of the, the same things, he skis, he bowls. Uh, Melvin love music. And one thing, Maddie, I could not figure out. And I said, the Lord played a joke. Melvin loved music, but he loved Elvis Presley. Now, I didn't have not one Elvis Presley song in my house. Where he learned any song about Elvis Presley at, I just do not know. I didn't even, I didn't even listen or watch to any of his old movies. But if you say anything about Elvis, he know everything about every song that he ever sung. And I have been to this day perplexed. And the other uh, thing that Melvin do that I, I don't understand, he loved everything and all things cowboy. Cowboy hats, cowboy boots, and he'll put it on rain sunshine or snow he's not going out the house without that cowboy hat and them cowboy boots and he's already 6'4 so can you imagine him being that tall and walking around but I looked at these things as like little special gifts of joy for me to watch my son enjoy something you know what I mean instead of thinking oh no this can't happen for him and this can't I learned to watch the enjoyment that he had that helped me to enjoy what was going on because he was enjoying the things that he was doing. And you and I were spreading that information to help inspire others to don't give up. Now, one of the last questions I want to ask you is, uh, could you share uh, with the parents or anybody who's listening, some of the resources that are available? Uh, yeah, well, one of the, um, I would say, the national resources across the United States, one of the best ones that I said, it would be Autism Speaks. 
and the Autism Speaks people have uh, done a, a tremendous job. Um, they will give new parents these packets. They're called like 90-day packets with well, to try to answer any questions that they have and tell them about autism and just that you can send for these packets to help parents navigate, answer any questions. And they are also a resource to other uh, autistic you know, autism, children, um, uh, what do I want to say, um, avenues or organizations, but they would be one of the basic ones. And you can reach them at autismspeaks.org or somebody, well, we just assume everybody have a computer or something today, but their number is one eight 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 two eight eight four seven six two. That's one eight eight eight. Two eight eight four seven six two or one eight eight autism two. That's I would say, and it's called Autism Speaks. Is they are one of the best organizations that I have found across the United States that can help you in any way. Also, other resources. You know, when you each city and each state, you have to see which state you know provides. As you were telling me that California was more progressive and providing you know resources when children are in school. So, if you start when you start looking at uh, different resources, uh, another one would be the Achievement Center for Children. It's called, and every state pretty much has. You just look up Achievement Center for Children in your state because they were very instrumental in helping me. You find they're located all across the United States, no matter what state you live in. They were very instrumental in, in guiding you through um, various uh, things you I needed, like um, occupational therapy and physical therapy and just all kind of things because today they have advanced so much. They have classes and things that they teach people. Uh, also, some of the main, you know, resources. Also, use your, you know, uh, most state resources. Most people with autistic children, not all, have to deal with a lot of support system through Medicaid. And because I, when I came to work for the Medicaid, I found out, you know, through the Ohio Department of uh, Social Services, you find out about most of the services that are, you know, that they can have, especially medical stuff, you know, that you need, you know, things have to be paid for, medication, some need a psychiatrist, some need, you know, because you have to prescribe different medicines for some people. Some people just need therapy because they're uh, anxiety or ADHD, which is part of the autism spectrum. So that would be uh, a resource, and they have what they hear in um, Ohio. They have what they call support administrators, and these are people that can help you navigate through a lot of the web, navigate through many other things because it can be overwhelming, and you need people to help you do that. There's also Special Olympics because for a long time I didn't know that, you know, I could find, you know, Special Olympics. You do, they do need, as as well as being among regular people, they also need, you know, to be in, a lot of them have physical disabilities or cognitive disabilities if they're not able to um, participate in sports activities. But there are so many um, uh, activities, as I said, through Special Olympics, because with my son, Pretty much all of his activities, then, as he does through Special Olympics, his hockey and his golf and his bowling, because they need those socialization skills to help them. 
so uh, these would be, you know, some of the some of the resources that you know you could take and and uh, use. But a good place to always start is at AutismSpeaks.org, and they're like camps. There's Camp Cheerful here in uh, Ohio. They have they have uh, daily camps for people with special needs, and they also have weekend or respite camps. And like Dennis, my son, he takes a vacation there like. He goes like uh, seven days a week. I mean, that's seven days a week. When he goes for seven days, five or seven days to camp. Well, since I've gotten remarried and stuff, that when he goes to camp, that's when my husband and I take our vacation. So that's a time because you need that time. Every parent needs a time to get away and rest. And they can be a resource, whether it's respite or weekend or what they call weekend times, or, you know, they can help you with planning. You could take a vacation and the person stays on the campgrounds. They have doctors through Cleveland Clinic and all of these things. So that's Camp Cheerful in Strongsville. You can, you know, look that up, campcheerful.org. So there are so many resources, and please take advantage, you know, of them, you know, if you're, you're there. And as I said, you're out there struggling and, you know, you just don't know where to start. That's a good place to start. And uh, God just lets you know that, you know, he has his hand on us and he has his hand on these children and that, you know, he give us each day, sometimes one day at a time. The Bible says give us this day our daily bread. And that's what it is. Every day he'll give you give you something, just what you need. And so I'm just so thankful that this opportunity, because even for myself, I've never really, ta- I've never ever really spoken about my son personally. And this just allowed me to open myself up to share more that people have been trying to get me to do. Uh, for a long time. So I thank you, Bernadette, for the opportunity and the time to share and to bless someone else because it's been a blessing to me. I thank you for being my guest and sharing, and I'm grateful to the Lord for the opportunity to do this, and this is another one of my unexpected journeys because I never thought of anything ever in my life for this for myself. And I want to just say one more thing. You know, churches are now uh, developing ministry programs and uh, having uh, a field trips or a ministry for adults and children who have a disability because the church that Melvin attends, uh, he goes camping twice a year for a week in the San Bernardino Mountains. Well, I would like to thank Maddie for coming in and sharing her story uh, with us. And I hope that you have gleaned some wonderful wisdom from what was shared here tonight. You never know what might have been if you don't embrace the unexpected. I'm Bernadette Butler, your host, and hope that you will return next Friday. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to Embrace the Unexpected. Be sure to join your host, Bernadette Butler, for another episode next Friday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time and 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Have a great weekend.